With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coaching guru, Wayne Goldsmith joins us from Australia. I love chatting to Wayne. Um, And we're going to pick his brain on how to build teams because there's the short-term version, buy a team. There's the long-term version, build a team. And um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So... Wayne, um, there's there's all this discussion out there, particularly in the NRL. Uh, Phil Gould having a crack at things, how he built Penrith, how he's trying to build the Bulldogs. There's the Broncos who are in the doldrums. They now arguably one of well one of the best two teams in the NRL. How do teams and how should teams go about it? Do you think? Well, yeah. Good morning, Steffi. It's great to catch up again. Um, look, it, it, you would think. You would think that the Barbarians model, for example, is a way to go. You just say, who are the best players available? Let's throw a lot of money at them and get them all in the one place. And that'll solve our problems and we'll win. But it just doesn't work. And if you look back over the history of rugby, of football, of AFL and NRL, the clubs that have tried to buy premierships by just throwing a lot of money at the most talented and most successful players, if it comes off, it doesn't come off very long. It comes off maybe for a season, then it starts to, to fall apart. The teams in contrast, and the Crusaders are always the best one to look at in rugby, and there's been some teams over the years that have sustained success in different codes. They build a culture. They build a team. They grow a team, and that's far more sustainable. And It's, it's almost like I, I say to people, it's a bit like trying – to build a garden. The best way to build a garden is to dig a hole, put in some great soil, put in a healthy young plant and take care of it and it's going to grow and grow and grow. If you take a shortcut and buy a mature tree and pull it out of where it's grown itself and try and make it grow just as well in your garden, it doesn't tend to work all the time. So the best way is to, to build and grow rather than just throw money at the best players. Because using the Warriors as an example, in a weird sort of way, I think in the fullness of time we might think COVID was a good thing. Uh, it wasn't good while it was happening for rugby league, I should say, and for the Warriors because now they are back home. That unity was almost by default, and the feverishness with which New Zealanders have got behind the Warriors has translated to on the park. These guys feel so loved. They love playing at home, and it's like they have built that culture a hell of a lot quicker, I think, if there was no such thing as COVID. That's an interesting comment. I I mean, we hated COVID. Everybody hated COVID, and I've had it three times, so... I don't ever want to see it darken my door again. But yeah, there has been some some silver linings in some areas, if you like. And at my day job, I work in a company where we've got a large workforce of staff aged 16 to 21, 22. And, you know, what we've learned, and I think COVID's been the catalyst for a lot of this, when we interview them or when we do surveys about employment and how they feel about what they do, 
the overwhelming messages, Staffy, are I need to feel like I belong. I need to feel that I'm valued. I need to feel that I'm loved. I need to feel that I've got friends in my workplace. Now, if you look at the average age of teams like the Warriors, they're not that far outside that. They're very much, as the Americans say, Gen Zers or Gen Zs, and they're looking for those more tangible connection, those, those, I feel like I belong, I feel I'm valued, I feel I'm cared for, I feel I've got friends in my environment. And it was next to impossible for the Warriors to do that on the road because they were just away from family and friends. I think you might be on the right track there. That may be a, a consequence of what everybody went through. And then you're home. And you go, I belong here. This is my people. This is my fan base. This is my family. These are my friends. And I'm so comfortable and happy here, I can play well. Probably one of the best examples in the Warriors is a young man. He's 22. His name's Jackson Ford. He was on our rugby league show with Sammy and Kempe on Wednesday. 22 at St George, wasn't getting many starts. And by his own admission, they asked him why he came to the Warriors and he said they were the only ones that offered him anything. And he's come here, he's absolutely loving it. He's brought his girlfriend with him. He's one of the form second rowers in the comp and no one had heard of him. Uh, Coach Andrew Repster said he's one of the fittest, one of the hardest working. So that's a really good example of give a kid an environment where he's valued, he's starting every game, he's integral, and he's blossoming. Yeah, that's a great example, I think, because you know it, it's easy to look at someone who's a fly half or look at someone who's a great winger and go, that's who they are. Well, well, no, they're not. That's their job. That's what they do. It's not who they are. And, and you know, one of the things, I, I know you and I have chatted about this, that I think a lot of people have got this, this backside up. Who you are, and, the, and who you are as a human being reflects on the way you play. Being a star player or being a successful player doesn't define who you are. It's the other way. The human being that you are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that's what defines how you play. And mate, you and I know if, if you're having troubles in your personal life, if you're not happy, if you don't feel good about where you live, if your friendships are strained or you don't have too many friendships, and then you turn up to be on air, you're just not the usual bubbly, sparkly, happy, effervescent staffy that we know. That you, you, There's an effort and you've got to go, man, I, I'm on air, I've got to lift, I've got to focus, I've got to find some energy because the rest of my life is so draining. In contrast, when you've got things going well, you're walking going, let me out of it. And, and footballs are exactly the same there. I often say to football teams, you're not, you're not Superman, you're Superman because of what you do and women in what you do, but you're not Superman. You're not invulnerable to everything other than kryptonite. And all those things that are happening around the team, that extended family, the connection you've got with community and place, that has a direct reflection on how you play the game. Sean Johnson, another one, career best form, uh, had been pretty average the last three years. Now he's at home, he's with his wife, he's with his kids. He's being talked about as a Dally M contender, probably one of the top three contenders, another good example. The Broncos. Um, I know there were people calling for Kevy Walters' head um, when he took over. They really struggled. They got their first, I think their first ever wooden spoon. And now, as I say, arguably the best team in the comp. They stuck with Kevy Walters. What are the Broncos doing right? Well, I think they've taken a big deep breath a few years ago because you're right, they were down the bottom of the ladder. And, you know, interesting you talk about that 
it's a little little uh, tit for tat that's going on between Phil Gould and the Bulldogs and and the Broncos and John Cartwright, the Broncos assistant coach, was on TV the other night talking about and very veiled about how hey we were down at the bottom and we've turned it around and other teams are throwing a lot of money at building a team with successful players and look what we've done. I think Broncos have done the smart thing. They've taken a breath and said, look, this isn't easy. This is going to take time. I mean, as you, you, know, you know, we see the turnover in coaches in different clubs. The hard thing as a CEO and the hard thing as a board and the hard thing as an executive committee is to say, we've got the fans pushing us on one side or stakeholders, shareholders, even in some situations, pushing us to be successful. We've got to solve this because we've got to look after our own jobs. But at the same time, if they don't build that root system and take time to allow the plant to grow, to use that analogy from earlier, it's not going to be sustainable very long. And I think that the better sports administrators and the Broncos have got some pretty good leaders there who've been through all this before with Bennett, were smart enough to say, this is going to take time. We know it's going to happen because we've got the talent base. We've been there before. We know Walters has done the job. He's been a great player. I think maybe five premierships as a player. He's been mentored by Bennett. We know it's there. We've just got to be patient and take time. In contrast, in this specific incident, I've got to declare myself, I've been a Bulldog fan since I was born, really, that it's interesting that Gould's gone about building a wonderful environment at Penrith with a huge base of players, I think the biggest anywhere in the world in rugby league. But that took time. They were not where they are now in the first one year, two year, three years. It's interesting that he's gone down this let's buy a premiership path. So you wonder, well, why is that? Is that pressure? Is that ego? Is that I've got a different formula for a different club? I'm not sure. But it's been enjoyable watching the two clubs go head-to-head and battling their philosophies. Is it partly because the Bulldogs don't have that development program that Penrith had he's forced to change tack? Well, it, it could be. I mean, he's a very, very smart guy. You know, let's say that straight up front. He wouldn't be doing anything without a very purposeful and a long-term strategy and mind staffy. And maybe that's it, because that inner city area, which used to be one of the most booming and, and successful areas for finding rugby league talent as South Sydney and and teams like the Bulldogs and before that teams like Western Suburbs or Balmain, sorry, Balmain now uh, West Tigers, they were really flourishing for a period of time. Now the population base had changed. And if the number of players and clubs out in that Western Sydney area, Parramatta, Penrith area and even further out, that's an environment where you can build a club because you just know there is so much talent out there in the junior leagues. And, and I mean, you hear that all the time when they talk about how successful this Penrith Panthers team is now going for a three-peat. They'll tell stories about how half the team played together in junior rep teams and in clubs when they were younger. And so they've developed relationships, they've developed friendships, they know each other's playing style, and they've taken time to get where they are now. There's the Bulldogs have decided, well, let's go down the other path and let's just see if we can buy a premiership. It's fascinating. But, you know, my fear is, Steffi, every time around the world I've seen sporting codes, footy codes, try to buy a premiership by just getting the best players, it's not sustainable because once they're in, that the, the necessity to create a, a sense of belonging and, and put in place 
a, a system or a model where they feel part of the place. You've got to create all that. If you grow it, it's there organically because you've taken time and those relationships have just grown and matured over a long period of time themselves. And you know what's interesting, Wayne, the whole time we've been talking about <coughs> Webster, about the Broncos, about the Bulldogs, I'm thinking of old Craig Bellamy down there in Melbourne, removed from Sydney, no real rugby league competition of note. The, the, the special qualities of that man to take players and make them premiership contenders nigh on nearly every year, um, gosh, he's got a good system down there, which must be very different to the Sydney system. Well, it's, it's funny you mention that, that I did a little bit of work with the Titans up until fairly recently when the head coaches decided to take another pass. Well, let's leave it at that. And But they had a couple of Melbourne Storm players that they recruited. And I got a chance to talk to them and I said, hey, guys, I've got a, a question for you. What's the difference between the Melbourne Storm and the Titans, you know, and, and apart from obviously location and weather and a whole bunch of other things, I said, but... What do you sense is the difference? And, you know, Steffi, both of them told me the same thing. They said in Melbourne, they go out of their way to make you feel part of the family. And both of the players completely separately, and I mean very successful premiership-level players, that both of them said the same thing. They said, and one of them told me a story, he said, Wayne, when I joined the Storm, you know, they reached out to my mum and to the rest of my family and invited them in to social events, introduce them to the mums and the grandparents and the families and kids of the other players. And they really went out to create a family because they're, they're very much an isolated pocket in Melbourne in that AFL environment. And he said, that's what I noticed. He said, the Titans are really good at it. But he said, Melbourne, it's exceptional that you're immediately made to feel and your extended family and made to feel like you belong in this part of the family. And he said that sense of caring and love from that. And isn't it interesting, Stabby? Because if someone said, describe Craig Bellamy to me, a lot of people go, oh, hard, uncompromising, committed, dedicated. You don't go, oh, they create a loving, nurturing family environment. But take a, take a moment and think about it. Why do they play so? Why is it the players go down there not the, the cream of the crop players and, you know, a Bulldog player, what's his name, Nick Mooney. Nick Mooney went down there a couple of years ago. He's he's kicking goals. He's chiming in. He's got skills that you didn't see when he was with his former club. You've got to think that as smart and as brilliant as Bellamy is, there's so much more to it. And I think those two Titans players, their insights about that extended family, we belong, we're loved, we're valued, as are our families – stepping maybe into Melbourne away from their own home environments, that's got more to do it than I think people realise. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, I love talking to you, Wayne, because, you, you know, rugby league clubs, they have a big jigsaw puzzle. And, of course, the ultimate prize is to win that, that premiership. And, you know, Penrith have done it the last two years. And there's different ways, depending on the environments you're in. Whenever we talk to Cam George, who's the CEO of the Warriors here, everything is about the fan. Everything. Um, engaging the fans, making them come back, and that creates an environment. And if you want to get that last jigsaw piece to make that jigsaw, it's not buying players for some clubs. It's not trying to get Payne Haas on a million dollars. It's not luring Luke Brooks out for $1.2 million or Daily Cherubins and all of that. It's the stuff behind the jigsaw that lets you play the jigsaw. It is very much, and 
It, but it, it does seem logical, doesn't it? If you're, if you're uh, uh, what I call a, a taxi expert, if you're someone sitting in the back of a cab and you're, you're sharing ideas about what you think, the easy thing to say is, you know what would really improve the Warriors? Well, let's uh, recruit uh, Nathan Cleary because we know well, your halfback's pretty good. But, you know, let's, let's get the best player in the world. He'll make a huge difference. You know what? It probably makes some sort of a difference, but then you've got to say, how do we fit him into the team? Yeah. How are the other players going to react? React? Will he fit in our culture? Will he enjoy living in New Zealand? What about his? Family? You know, it's just it's not as easy as just saying, let's write a list of the top twenty players in the sport and let's buy them. And all we've got to do then is put jerseys on them, give them a bit of coaching, and they'll turn it around, and succeed. And that model has not worked. And you know, every the only time, and I often think. The only time I see that model challenged is Premier League. And I think the difference with Premier League, or you could argue any of the big football leagues in, in uh, England and, and, and Europe, certainly Western Europe, is that they're drawing from a global talent pool with almost unlimited money. And if they burn someone up and throw them out after two years, it doesn't matter. They can pull someone in from Asia, from South America, from Africa, from from the Middle East, from other parts of Europe. But even there, when you look at the teams, those top four or five teams, so Liverpool, Man U, Man City, Arsenal maybe, and as a Spurs fan, I'm hoping we might get a breakthrough as well. But those top four teams, even when they've been able to buy the most incredible football talent from around the world, it's only been when they've matched that with an exceptional coach with this sort of understanding. And you can obviously think of Sir Alex, that it's only when they've matched that ability to buy the best talent in the world with exceptional coaching to build a team and to build a group that they've actually sustained success. And I I haven't seen anybody, and maybe one of the listeners can prove me wrong, but I haven't seen anyone go, this year we're going to buy a premiership and next year we won the premiership and then we sustain that for five years. Where you see that sustainable success, it's build and grow over time. Brilliant, Wayne. I always love picking your brain. Lots of food for thought from the listeners, I'm sure. Already got text messages coming in. We'll get to those. Uh, Wayne Goldsmith, uh, thanks heaps for chatting to us out of Aussie today. Always wonderful, Staffy. And when you watch the Blues Lake Cup, try not to laugh too much. <laughs>